Escape to Ocean City, Maryland, and discover a place that just feels lighter, where every day feels like Saturday and French fries are a food group, where flip-flops are always in fashion and seafood is always in season, where the boardwalk is bustling and the beach is right outside your door, where you can rise with the tide and feel like a kid again. Ocean City, Maryland, somewhere to smile about. Book your trip at Oceocean.com. Hey friends, and welcome to the Happy Hour with Jamie Ivey podcast. I'm your host, Jamie, and I'm so glad you're here. Each week on this show, I invite a friend to join me, and we chat about the big things in life, the little things in life, and everything in between. Hey friends, happy Friday. Oh, it is Friday. We've made it to Friday. I have a great show for you today. And the reason it's so great is because it's one of my favorite people in the entire world. Yes, it is true. My husband, Aaron Ivy, is on the show with me today. Aaron's been on a handful of times. And here's what you're going to get when Aaron joins me on the show. First of all, we joke a lot. We laugh a lot. You're going to get a little bit of insight into our relationship. But on today's show in particular, we wanted to talk about something very specific. Sometimes we just get on and we answer questions and we chat about whatever. But today we talked about dating and we explained why we talked about dating. We recently spoke to a college kid at our church about dating. And so we came up with four pieces of advice for dating. Now, before you think, well, I'm not dating. This doesn't apply to me. I want you to know this conversation is really good for all of us because we all have people in our lives who are in the stage of dating. All of us know people. And so I think you're going to get something out of all of this. Also, we said there's probably 800 other things we could say. These are just the four we came up with today. It's fun having Aaron on the show today because next week, Kim and I are going out of town together and I'm so excited. So if you have any great recommendations for some New York City daytime activities or nighttime activities, we would love to hear them. Speaking of love to hear from you, I told you on Wednesday's show that I would actually really love to hear from you. Go to jamieivy.com slash call me and you can leave me up to a one minute message. Now, here's what I really would love. I would love to answer some of your questions and your comments on the podcast. So if you have something you would love to hear me answer, send me a message, ask me a question, and I would love to play that on the show, answer it for you and for everyone else as well. Guys, I hope you heard Wednesday's show with Ginger Volo on the show, but I want to tell you next Wednesday is one of my favorite conversations I've had in a long time. Sorry, Aaron, you are one of my favorite, but KB is on the show next Wednesday and his book is fire and the conversation was fire and I could have talked to him forever. So don't skip out on next week's episode. All right, you guys, here is my conversation with my man, Aaron Ivey, and we're talking about dating. Aaron Ivey, welcome to the happy hour. I'm so glad to be on the happy hour. Well, I didn't do my very good research because I don't know how many times you've been here, but it has to be five or six. Or I thought seven. you were going to say, I didn't do much research. I don't know much about you. <laughs> I do know a do lot about you. You usually research all of your guests. I do research my guests, but, but you do know a lot about me. I know everything. everything. The scary thing is, I wonder if I don't know everything. Oh my gosh. Hello, Enneagram That's Six. All, <laughs> that is such an Enneagram Six thing. A hundred percent. Uh huh. You're always like, there's probably something I don't know about him. And in your mind, you're like, he is a drug lord. Um, he is a serial killer. Yeah, or has a lot of mistresses. Oh, my gosh. What's wrong you with you? You may give everybody. I never a- think that. There's not any part of me, no part of me wonders, do I know everything about Jamie? I, I want to give you a little insight into my brain. And when I, I tell you these things all the time, but let me tell the listener, when I tell you these things, you... I think it does make you mad, but you've learned to just kind of let I it go. I just roll my eyes. And I used to be like, that's stupid. Stop saying that. What are you talking about? 
but I learned that that's not the best strategy. So I'm always like, oh, no, that's not true, babe. But one of my greatest fears is really that you will cheat on me. It is like a deep, <laughs> deep. Okay, right? We've been talking about this for 20 years. 22, probably. Okay? True. And I have come a long ways, but I think and Jesus has done so much work, but I think it might be. The work is not going to be finished until I walk through those pearly gates, okay? And so um, just this morning that we're recording this podcast, did you notice I came back to the house? I did notice you came back to the house. Okay, Why? so Story and I left to go to school. This, I just want you to know my brain, and it is, I'm sorry ahead of time. Wait, this morning you came back home because you thought something bad? No, let me finish. As Story and I were driving out of our neighborhood, I passed a car. And we live in a neighborhood. There's got to be, I don't know, 20 houses. Right. Okay, so you see a lot of the same people. It's not weird if you see someone you don't know. We're not like neighborhood watch here. Right. But I did pass a car, and I was like, ha, huh, I've never seen that person before. So we, we get halfway through the neighborhood, and Story goes, oh, my gosh, Mom, I forgot my phone. And so we went back to but the house. But normally you'd be like, we don't have time. We're going. Well, I didn't have time because I was almost late to work. But I was like, okay, so we go back to the house, and my thought was, what if Aaron thought I was gone? <laughs> Jamie, what There's something is wrong, wrong with, with me? You. I know. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's me. It's not you. That's true. I know. 100% true. Speaking of Enneagram, I don't want to blame everything on Enneagram because it's just a it's just a tool. But I did read this and we're going to talk about marriage and dating today. So just now, uh, full disclosure, we're recording this the day before Valentine's Day. So Instagram. Oh, shoot. Today is the day before Valentine's Day. I hope your gift gets here in time. Please don't give me. I ordered it like three months ago. Okay. The day before Valentine's Day and our friends over at your Enneagram coach. This is what they said. These are what others love about each Enneagram type. Okay. Okay. So I'm going to go for you first. You would fall under Enneagram three. Right. This is what other people love about me. What we love about type threes. Their ability to see the potential in others. True. Their strong work ethic. True. Their optimism and determination. Hmm. Okay. That feels very fair. Then what others love about type six would be where I would find myself. Their preparedness and desire to help others feel secure. Listen, if there's a zombie apocalypse, you've got it all figured out. I'm ready. I'm surprised you don't have a bunker underneath our house. I might. Like you don't even know about it. I, that's probably fair. Their wit and humor. Okay. True. Didn't I last night tell you? You did. We got in bed and I was like, one of the things I really love about you is you're so funny. Oh, and then I was like, tell me how. How do I make you laugh? I was like, I don't know. I'm tired. That sounds like we have conversations like that in bed. Like, here's the three things I love about you We today. do not <laughs> normally have those And then the third thing would be their friendship, loyalty, wisdom, and support. A hundred percent true. Isn't that crazy? Yes. I love all those things about you. Thanks. That makes me, th- like, I want to ask a question though. Okay. You know, Jackie Hill Perry has said some things about her. Enneagram. Mm-hmm. What do you think about what she's saying about Enneagram? I've had several people ask me this. I love Jackie. Y'all me know. Too. We're like good friends. And um, I also love the Enneagram. And so I will tell you and the listeners the same thing I said to Jackie personally via text. I said, hey, this is awesome. Keep investigating. Um, And then, you know, I think people investigating things is great. It's great. I don't have time. I don't want to do it. Um, But also, I know that there have been tons of people who have gone before who have investigated the Enneagram and feel safe with it. And I trust them as well. Like our friends at Your Enneagram Coach. Um, I think they're doing great jobs. And they have it from a gospel-centered view that no one that I follow is going to say, the Enneagram is who you are. It is your identity. This is all about you. Yes. They're saying, hey, here's a tool to help you. And they all see it through a gospel lens. So I'm fine if Jackie... I don't think that's what your listeners were hoping for as an answer to that question. Oh, really? Yeah, we want drama in Uh, our life. We want to know that you and your bestie, Jackie Hill, are like going after it. No. Fighting in the streets. No. No? 
even if Jackie was like, I am going to come out and proclaim everything about the Enneagram to be demonic, I would still be friends with Jackie. Wait, and wait, I would wait, still. You're saying that you, two people disagreed about something, but then were civil and how they like conversated with each other yeah and what? i didn't i didn't even like tell jackie i disagree with her because i don't even necessarily disagree it, with her right i just i'm like awesome keep investigating tell me what you find out i'd be interested to hear so i think that's just a really cool concept for people just to talk okay. dialogue and stuff that's <laughs> crazy um aaron welcome um <clears throat> back you were here in the fall actually with jalisa on oh our, that's right um that was a lot of fun yeah collaboration over competition or community over competition something over competition no, something over competition. No, it was camaraderie. Should have been. That would have been really great. No, I know it was. It was not camaraderie. I've never said that word in my actual entire life. But that's our phrase that we say on our team. Oh, camaraderie okay. over comparison. So I'm pretty sure that's what it was called. No, it really wasn't. What? I had my own thing over here. This is not Austin Snow Worship. I had a whole series. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> I, I thought this was my thing. You're right. This is your thing. Oh my god. You can call it whatever you want to call it. Y'all, welcome to the IVs. <laughs> Um, okay, well, I wanted you to come back because uh, when this episode is airing, we are going to be celebrating two years of our book that we wrote yes. together, Being Into the World. And by this time, you will have an amazing Valentine's gift. I can't wait. <laughs> Do you know why Valentine's Day is special to me and you? Uh, Valentine's Day is special to us because that was our first date. That's not true. Um, Valentine's Day is special to us is because that's when we consummated our first child. Aaron, no. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Valentine's Day no for real I know Valentine's Day is special for us because that's when I proposed to you that is true yes that's the night we got engaged okay compliment the surprising beauty of choosing together over separate in marriage so we wrote this book uh, I can't believe it's been two years I know and the crazy thing is I don't think I'm going to pick this one up because it looks no, like a prop there. and has a knot on it we uh, wrote this book during um, well we finished it up during COVID which was just a disaster Dude. and we also finished this book um, I mean I can't even say this because it feels like that I'm telling people that there's good stuff in here but we wrote we finished this book during our hardest season of marriage ever like actually holding the book it brings some triggers back like I'm about to start shaking <laughs> I'm sweating <laughs> I'm getting mad at you right I now I might need to stay at a hotel tonight <laughs> no um, we did like I, I still believe every single thing that we wrote and and it's actually pretty honest because it was written mm -hmm. not during like a sweet season but during a really yeah. hard season yeah i'm really sorry to you about everything that i did Thank and you. said i forgive you okay so um the book is actually really cool because we wanted to do this and if you're watching on youtube jamieivy.com slash youtube you can see the book it's actually two books so aaron has one i have one uh same chapters but just our own personal point of view through yeah. them and, and so super uh like small oh re readable very readable a lot of my friends actually have been like dude I, I read your portion of the book in like two nights yeah yeah very readable yeah. and we wanted to do that so i'm gonna put a sale up over on my webpage, um jamieivy.com slash store oh and gosh. look at that picture oh that picture though was while we were fighting we took all of our photo shoot during a big fight but look how happy we look right there marriage is hard marriage is super hard marriage is really hard and yep. we believe in marriage which is why we wanted to write this book and why we talk about it but we also know marriage is super hard if you go to jamieivy.com slash store you can get ten dollars off on my webpage if you use a uh, there's also a bible study that goes use the word it. marriage yeah. seven session bible study bible study for it. well you, yep. as well you could go through your church okay so we're not going to talk about marriage today we're going to talk about dating, dating. 
If you don't know it, guys, I'm a Texas girl through and through. I've lived here most of my life. I was born here and I love traveling. Here's why I love traveling throughout Texas, because it has a vast landscape of cultures, regions, destinations, and activities, which means there's an infinite number of different travel experiences. And no two travelers are exactly alike. And it means that no two trips should be either. If you're a beach person, well, you can have fun under the sun with Texas's 350 miles of coastline. If you're more of a rugged vacation type, there are campgrounds, hiking trails, and state parks galore. And foodies cannot get enough of Texas's world famous barbecue and Tex-Mex. Enjoy live music, visit internationally recognized art museums, and check out thrilling cowboy experiences. And now, Travel Texas offers a one-of-a-kind online trip builder that allows users to generate a custom, visually-led trip matched to their unique interests. Guys, come visit my state. Visit TravelTexas.com slash GetYourOwn to get the only trip to Texas that matters. Yours. That's TravelTexas.com slash GetYourOwn. You guys, in January of 2024, I made a commitment to myself. I wanted to get stronger, which meant I needed to get in the gym, which means I needed to move my body in different ways. You guys know I love to walk. Well, it's spring, and spring is the best time for us to start a new workout routine. It's our yearly collective warm-up, and Peloton is here for everyone's yearly warm-up. This is the best time to get into a good rhythm, to tap into your power, and build towards your summer you. I love my Peloton. It accommodates to my schedule with a variety of class links to choose from. I can choose a 30-minute class. I can choose a 45-minute class. If you only have five minutes, there's literally a class to get you moving your body in five minutes. Peloton has a range of class types fit for every goal and every mood. There are classes if you want to hear country music, if you want to hear uh, rock, if you want to go back to the 80s. If you can't run, take a walking class. Need some grounding? Try yoga. If you want to level up, go for their Pilates or HIIT workouts. Here's what I love is that you can move at your own pace. And that is what I'm learning that my body needs right now. It needs to move at its own pace. Peloton makes the process easier with personalized recommendations and guided programs that take all the guesswork out of working out. You guys, we think about so many things during the day. Let's take the guesswork out. Let's jump right in and let's keep our fitness journey fresh every single day. Peloton has everything you need to get you where you're going. Whether you prefer to run outdoors, row or ride at home, or strength train at the gym, Peloton has something for you. I personally love a good 45-minute hip-hop class. It gets me moving. It gets me excited. It's my favorite genre of music, just ask my kids. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. That's OnePeloton.com. We're going to talk about dating today. And so- Tell them why, like why this is stirring up in us right now today. Yeah, I wanted, what we just did. I wanted to have you on also because of compliments to your anniversary and yep. to celebrate that, that you and I did that together. Uh, but we also just recently did a night with uh, college students at our church and our college pastor Mitchell asked us to come in and talk all about dating. And so we don't talk about dating a lot, Mm-mm. although we encourage dating and we love dating um we talk about it a lot like two people yeah yeah but but not not on a main stage it's not it's not either one of ours lanes Lanes. uh but we really really enjoyed it so i was like hey why don't you come back on aaron and let's just talk about what we talked about that night so i want you to set it up with the one thing that we always will set up any kind of conversation revolving around marriage or dating yeah uh is we always start in the same spot and that is where we always start the same spot um 
you know, especially in like Christian circles, mm-hmm. church circles, marriage has always been so idolized. Like, of course, that's the path for everybody, right? And so, who are you going to date? Uh, how's dating going? Who are you going to marry one day? Has always been like the thing that's talked about. But um, we think like a really important part of the conversation is like marriage is not for everybody. Not everybody is going to have marriage written into their story. Like God's perfect plan for some people is to be single, to Mm -hmm. have a season of singleness or even a a lifelong um, commitment to singleness. So, you know, anytime we talk about marriage and dating, we want to like nuance that and be like, it's that is great that if, if that's a part of somebody's story. But it doesn't have to be. I mean, so many examples in the Bible of people that we celebrate were single mm-hmm. for their entire life, yeah. including Jesus, yeah. our Savior, yeah. and Paul, and so many other um, f- dynamic, amazing leaders in the Bible were single. And we have so many friends in our life that are living for Jesus. They're fulfilled. They are doing amazing things for the kingdom, and they might not ever get married, mm-hmm. and that is okay. So we always start there. We always start there. Not only is that okay, it's not like it's like, huh, well, I guess if that's your story. No, we're like, hey, this is like, there's goodness here. That is what God thought would be the best for that person. Right. And also, we like to say, like, we obviously have been married for almost 22 years. We value marriage. We love marriage. All of the things. We think it's important. We think it's great. But it didn't solve any of our personal problems. And it hasn't made us better than anyone else because we are married. It's not the thing. It's not the thing. That a Christian should strive for. Yeah. If you can get that, then you're more complete and you finally landed your calling and your purpose. Right. That is not true. Yeah. Which we like to start there because both you and I grew up in pretty conservative evangelical spaces where even if it wasn't directly said, which it might have been, it was always very much implied. Oh, yeah. And I say the same thing with motherhood as well. I say that it is not my greatest calling in life to be a mom, that a a lot of people will get married and then become a mom and like, this is my greatest calling. And I just don't believe that's true either. Right. Um, And so... I've also, like, I have a unique vantage point into a lot of mm 20-year-olds, right? In the, the sphere that I work and the people that I lead. And, I mean, that has helped transform my perspective on singleness too because seriously some of the most passionate zealous like world-changing people that i know are single mm-hmm. like god's using singleness in their life yeah. in a profound way like he can use marriage in a profound way so it's not like one is better than the other it's just two different paths that yeah. god has for people and it has transformed a lot of like the way we the way the rhetoric we use, the language we oh, yeah, say with our kids, with our kids, and I even said this to you a couple of weeks ago. I don't even remember what you were preaching on, but you've been preaching. I guess it was really impactful. It was very impactful. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I do remember. I I was actually sitting next to Zach, our friend, who's been on the podcast. Oh, before. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, and I don't know what your sermon was by any means, but I kept thinking at any moment he's going to use the example of his marriage. At right. any moment he's going to bring me into this story because it made perfect sense. But also, it would have excluded. Like at our congregation during that, it would have excluded 80% of the people in the room and you never did. Mm -mm. And I I remember saying to you afterwards, like, man, I'm really proud of you because it would have been real easy. It would have been super easy to use a marriage illustration. This is like marriage. Yes. And you didn't. And I thought that took more work for you as a pastor because you know marriage. It's like ingrained in you. You are married. And so um, anyhow, just for pastors and teachers and leaders out there, it's really great to remember what kind of like examples am I using like I just turned in my book so I just turned in a book and for me what I always want pushback from editors from people that read it before it ever gets published is like make me see things that I can't see 
because mm-hmm. I'm a white woman. I'm married for 22 years. I'm a mom. I have four kids. Middle class, upper middle class. Like, Super you know, so attractive, like, okay. <laughs> uh, dynamic, amazing Thank personality. You. Yeah. But I'm like, I want to see other yeah. things because otherwise I could get in the trap of every example. It's about you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And your lifestyle. Yeah. So that's another. So kudos to yeah. you. It was so really great. This college event that we did, mm-hmm. we loved it mm-hmm. because, um, I mean, first of all, we love college students we had a super bowl party last night yeah. and had college ministry over and we just we love mm-hmm. being around college students investing in them although i wasn't around very many college students that is true because our sorry. party was out in the barn yeah and you decided to stay in the house where the screen was better and it was quieter because i want to watch, watch the, the game. football game because everyone over there was like ah, i want to hang out i'm like i'm not hanging out I'm i think here last for night, patrick about and one percent of the crowd was there for the game that's why i stayed in the house and that's why you, yeah. you bailed yeah but we had all those kids over because we love having college kids. Love right. it. Love it. And so this event was really awesome because we got to just focus in on dating, which for a lot of college students and a lot of 20-year-olds, 30-year-olds, like the question of dating is a pretty significant one mm-hmm. because it's like for, for somebody who said, hey, I'm a Christian. I want to follow Jesus. That is a really big question. Yeah. Like, what does dating look like? Yeah. How do I do mm-hmm. that? Yeah. Because there's a lot of things in our culture that don't seem to line up with like the Bible and what God talks about with holiness and purity Mm -hmm. and all that kind of stuff. So it's a great conversation to talk about. So let's jump into this conversation. We came up with four points. There's probably 185 points we could have come up with. We came up with four that we thought of right before, not right before, but as we were preparing for the event. (laughs) Right before (laughs) we were walking on the stage and we're like, what are four points? So we came up with four points, which there are more for sure. But I want to start real quick and say like one of the things I thought about as I was prepping for this is I sometimes when I travel will say like do Q&A on my Instagram and -hmm. someone sent in a question and they say, hey, what is your advice for me? I'm 25 years old and I'm waiting for a husband. Mm. And that really got me thinking and dating, people are dating in their teens. We have teenagers. We're talking about dating with our teenagers in their 20s and their 30s and their 40s, 50s. Like you could date at any decade of your life. And I got her question and at first I felt like, oh my gosh, like there's so much deeper here if you're 25 and you're like, hey, what's your best advice for me for waiting on a husband? And my advice to her was to not wait on anything, like to run your race, to keep going, to do what God's called you to do. Uh, So that starts out with our number one, our first point was this, who and how you date matters to God. Yeah, I mean, so many times we think, okay, there are some things that matter to God, but then there's some things that he doesn't really care about, you know? So it matters a lot, like us reading the Bible or us being a part of community or whatever, but dating probably doesn't matter that much to God. But it's important um, when you are, um, when you're dating or you're in that kind of season of your life to go, okay, who and how I date this person, it does matter to God. Our relationships the way that we treat each other, so much of the New Testament is about like how we interact with people, how we have relationships, and that applies to dating too. Um, and one of our really good friends, Ben Stewart, he uh, kind of answers the question of like, how do I know if I should date this person? And I think that's a lot of people's question is like, how do I know I'm around this person, I like this person, they're attractive, whatever. How do I know if I should date them? And his answer is really helpful. He's like, man, if you're a believer, your your main priority in life is to chase after Jesus, to follow after him, to orient your whole life around him and what he wants for you. And so if you're doing that as like an individual, and then you happen to look to your right or your left and you see somebody else who's also chasing after Jesus, like they're fixed on him, they're 
orienting their whole life around him and his purpose for their life. If you happen to look around and somebody's running that same race alongside you, there's some intersection in your life. You find yourself around them all the time, but both of you are running towards Jesus then that's a good indicator mm-hmm. that it might be somebody that you can lock arms with and run that race yeah. together. I think that's how you know yeah. this is a person that I could possibly date yeah. because they're chasing after Jesus. They're not waiting around for somebody to date. They're not on the prowl. Their identity is formed fully in I am a son, yeah. I am a daughter, and I'm chasing after Jesus. Yeah. I thought that was really super like helpful. It's super helpful. Ben Stewart has a book, too, called, I think it's called Single Engaged Dating Married, Married something yeah. like that. Also, our friend J.P. Bacluda also has a book on dating. Yep. We'll put all these in the show notes. I can't remember J.P.'s title, but it's a great book on dating as well. Um, and, you know, I just think when you think about who and how you date, it matters. Like you mentioned, there's so much in the New Testament about how we treat each other, especially how we treat other believers. Right. And there's no actual context for dating within Scripture. So we can't go find yeah. and Philippians or first corinthians or even through the words of jesus because there's nothing about like dating a modern thing like people didn't date right two thousand years ago right right it it's looks like very our different modern version of figuring out god's plan and whether he has in mind for two people to date pursue yeah. marriage yeah. Blah, yeah. Blah, blah, blah. yeah so totally so we're gonna look at how does scripture tell us to treat each other so we need to protect their i i tell our boys all the time like if you're gonna date a girl you need to protect your heart you need to protect your mind you need to protect your soul protect your body um and again we have three boys that are in dating age our daughter is not yet but it just matters how you treat each other okay the second point we said and this is a good one we said don't act like you're married until you are right so often people will start dating and all of a sudden you know like they're a package deal like it used to be everywhere together they do and that's really tempting when you're dating. Like, yes. why wouldn't we be together all the time? Uh-huh. But you yep. start to act like you're married yes. when you're not. And what is the pitfall of that? Because some people are like, well, we just, we really like hanging out together. Yeah, I think that there's a couple of pitfalls. One is that you end up isolating yourself from your community. And there's no, like, you're not committed to a lifelong relationship with a person while you're dating. Okay, so can I dive into that? Yes. Our friend Lisa Turkhurst, mm-hmm. she had a book come out last year. Good Boundaries, Goodbyes, yep. I highly recommend. One of the best books I read last year. But we've heard her teach on this a couple times, right. and I always get it confused, so help me out if I'm wrong. But Lisa level, says level we've, 10. we've got a level 10, okay. level 10 access. Uh-huh. We want to give them level 10 access, but we're dating. Right. But we only have a level four commitment right? because we're not married. Like anyone can bail at any time. And so the difference between level 10 and level four is big. Right. So it's a danger to our relationship for us to live in a level 10 commitment where we act like we're married, mm-hmm. but we don't, I mean, a level 10, 10 access. access. Yeah, I always mess this up. No, you're good. But then a level four commitment. Right. So we got to bring it down to where they're on the same page. Right. So in dating, we're going to give you a level four access and a level four commitment. Those match up. Right. When you're dating, you're not supposed to give all of yourself to that person Mm -hmm. because you only have, you know, a a lower degree of commitment. Like you said, you can bail at any time and that's good. You should be able to, right? right? Because you haven't like, you haven't stood before God in your community and said, I commit uh, to never leave you, you know, Um, there's not that commitment yet. Mm -hmm. And so where we see people getting into a pitfall is when they're dating and they're giving all of themselves mm-hmm. this level 10 sort of access to somebody that they're not fully committed to. Yeah. Even though you think like, well, I know I'm going to marry this person eventually, you're not married yet. And so there's that issue of like access, you're giving too much of yourself away with little commitment. Yeah. Um, but then also you start to isolate yourself from everybody mm-hmm. around you. 
And so we see a lot of dating couples do that where, you know, everything centers around them as a couple. Um, like this for people that I, you and I have done marriage mentoring and mm-hmm. things like that, or young guys that I disciple that are dating. I always talk about, hey, if you, if your whole life orbits around you and the person you're dating, that is super unhealthy, mm-hmm. right? Because you're not married yet. And so if you do that, then you start to like push away all of your friends that have maybe been in community with you for five, 10 years, you know, your accountability partner, your group that you might be a part of at your church, your really close friendships, you start to isolate yourself from that and you form commitment with somebody that you're not really like level 10 committed to yet. And so that's when it's really easy to be stupid, like Mm -hmm. make make mistakes, like to be unknown by Mm -hmm. other people in your community and you know, a lot of times like dating doesn't always end in marriage. And so then when that dating relationship, for whatever reason, breaks up, you find yourself and you're like, dang it, for nine I? months, I have isolated with this person. Mm-hmm. And now these relationships have suffered yeah. and I have to go rebuild them yeah. or I don't have them anymore. Yeah. I remember this is like, I didn't love Jesus and I was really young, but I remember going into my junior year of high school, I walked back into the cafeteria on like that first day of school. And for all you guys listening, like we didn't have Instagram, we didn't have Facebook, we didn't have Snapchat. We didn't know where people were unless they called us on our house phone, guys, to tell us. And left a a message on our answering machine that we had to push play and maybe save it or delete it. But I walked back into the cafeteria and saw some of my friends and they literally, they were like, we didn't see you all summer long. Mm -hmm. And because I had a new boyfriend and that boyfriend broke my heart like a month later. And that boyfriend wasn't me. It wasn't you. Right. So here I am. Yeah. I also think just super practically what we tell people when they're dating is like, don't get into the places where you're starting to plan things um, that uh, you're making plans for like this big long-term future mm-hmm. for the person. Like resist the temptation to have those kind of conversations. Like um, a, a friend of mine, when he was dating, they were already talking. They're not even engaged, right? They were dating and they were already talking about like, what kind of house do we want to live in one day? Mm-hmm. Where do we want to live? Um, maybe we should like, you know, go in together on buying a car. Um, oh, dear gracious. Those kinds of things like they're they're supposed to be separate yeah. from dating. Yeah. And when you act like you're married before you're married, there's it's it's too much pressure and it's too many things tangled up because, again, you're not committed to that person in a sacred like lifelong way yet. I'm like the worst person to talk to about this as well because what did I tell you when did that college night what did I tell you my goal was your goal was everybody in the room should break up tonight <laughs> I did I said I hope everybody breaks up you didn't say that to them I didn't say it to them I only said that's it to what you. you were thinking I wouldn't say it publicly well I mean that is honestly even in a lot of like counseling or one-on-one things what I'm thinking is dude, the problems that you're having that it's because you shouldn't be dating right yeah. now. Oh yeah. Either you don't have some things worked uh-huh. out in your own heart and soul yeah. or that person is a disaster. And putting like, a ring on it does break. not solve those problems. No, it makes it worse. Tell everybody if they invite me to their wedding and we're close. I got to know you really well. I'm not going to do this to a stranger, but what's right. going to happen if I'm invited to your wedding? Okay. Every time you will go into that little green room, that little bride's room <laughs> while she's still like putting the last little bits of makeup on and she's got her, her mama's on. putting on the, yeah, the whole thing. And you will look at her and you're a hundred percent serious. And you say, you don't have to do this. If you want to back out, I've got the car ready and we walk out of this place. Yeah. And I remember the first time I told you, you're like, Jamie, that's so mean. But look, I, I just got teary eyed because it would be better to oh, ruin 100%. that day. It'd be better to lose a deposit. All you lose make your mom and dad angry for a couple be weeks. Better, way better. Than to get into a marriage that's not going to get 
like solve problems, right. I mean, you know? And so, right. and I say that from a place of someone who did break off an engagement. And so it, it does have deeper meaning to me is that I was, I was really early, but I mean, I had a lot of money in it and I loved this dress. guy. I had yeah. a dress. I love this guy, all the things. And I just think to myself, it makes me teary eyed to think like, what if I wouldn't have had that courage right. to break that off? I mean, we wouldn't be sitting here today. And that guy was a tool. Okay. I'm, that, I'm so <laughs> glad you didn't do that. Oh my gosh. Disaster. Okay. Um, we also talk about with like, don't act like you're married uh-huh. until you're married. Um, it, that's important because there are couples who go like, man, there's some red flags, mm. but I think that that'll work out no, in the won't. end. It will not. So if the red flags, that's it, the they beautiful get deeper part. Red and larger, right? Big, big flags. Big flags. Um, that is the purpose of like modern dating is for you, especially if you're a follower of Jesus, to go. Is this person somebody that I want to spend the rest of my life with? And yeah. if there are red flags, you know, like, man, he's awesome, but he has this major anger issue every once in a while. That is a red flag for a reason, mm-hmm. and it's meant to go, that person is not ready right. to be married, and yeah. I shouldn't be married to yeah. them yet. So look at all those red flags, yeah. and, and you're not committed to them yet. Yeah, exactly. So it's okay to go, I don't like those things yeah. about that person. Yeah. And that comes in when you have a good, when you have a healthy view of marriage is when it's easier to say, I see a red flag, I'm going to back up. Mm-hmm. But when you have an unhealthy view, you think this is my only chance. It'll I need to be married. I really like him. He's nice most of the times. And so you're right. willing to put yourself in a situation because you feel marriage is the best thing that could ever happen to you. Right. And it's not the best thing that could ever happen to you. Escape to Ocean City, Maryland. And discover a place that just feels lighter. Where every day feels like Saturday and french fries are a food group. Where flip-flops are always in fashion and seafood is always in season. Where the boardwalk is bustling and the beach is right outside your door. Where you can rise with the tide and feel like a kid again. Ocean City, Maryland. Somewhere to smile about. Book your trip at Oceocean.com. Tired of fighting your kids to make their bed? Say hello to Betty's. The unique design lets your kids make their bed with just a zip. Our patented bedding includes everything you need. A fitted sheet, top sheet, and comforter in one seamless piece that zips together. Kids love the feeling of accomplishment when they can make their bed by themselves every day. Make your mornings easier and visit Betty's.com. That's B-E-D-D-Y-S dot com. Okay, let's move on. Number three, this is a good one. Uh, speaking of don't acting like you're married until you are, number three, there is no such thing as casual sex. Right. Yeah, we, we talk about it, how um, there, there aren't degrees of sex. You know, a, a lot of times the question is like, is, how far is too far yeah. or is this kind of sex like okay? You know, because it's not like full on sex. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's different. There's no degrees yeah. of sex, especially... If you're thinking through the lens again of like, I'm a follower of Jesus and sex is meant for marriage, mm-hmm. right? That's what it's reserved for. Um, it's intended to live in that world and only that world. Yeah. And so you can't dabble in it. There's no degrees of it. And so the better question um, than how far is too far? What, you know, what is the limit? All that kind of stuff. The better question is, what length am I, are we willing to go to that we would so guard that and reserve that thing as a sacred thing that is for the next season, mm-hmm. right? Like how far will we go to keep it yeah. really holy yeah. and to keep it pure and guarded? That's the better question. 
And I think it's an important question because what I always like to tell dating people or or um, people who are thinking about getting married is that that issue of how far is too far or that issue of do I have self-control, that doesn't, you don't not need that anymore after you get married. And so self-control is a gift from the Holy Spirit. Like we have self-control. We have the ability to have it. And I don't need You're my husband. You don't not need yeah, self-control. Me, yeah. I don't need you or me to not need self-control anymore. Right. We need self-control today, 22 years, 22 years married, as much as we did when we were dating 22 years ago on February 14th when you asked me to marry you. Right. And so that self-control, self-control is an attribute that you want your spouse to have. Totally. Because that the temptation to go and have sex or do anything else outside of your marriage, it doesn't go away after you get married. Right. It's still there. Right. And so there's always that temptation. And I think that one of the things, too, that I always want to tell, especially young people, is I see a lot of – I'll speak for girls because I would hear that from, from them more – is to have these different degrees of sex, like you said, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. to where they say, well, it's not penetration. Right. And so it's not really sex. It's oral sex. It's oral sex, so it's not real sex. And so I think I would just want people to know that, like you said, there isn't this like, it's not like, oh, we can do oral sex and then that doesn't count. Right. But it actually does count because it is an intimacy between two people that God designed to be done within a marriage between a man and a woman. That is level 10 access with level four That's commitment. exactly right. right. You are giving them level 10 intimacy. Right. Even if it is, you're not actually having penetration. Right. You're giving them that, but anyone can bail at any time. So I tell guys this a lot, like, um, and I think women should should hear this and like, like, let this resonate with you. What I'm telling a guy is, dude, if you continue to crash through all the boundaries that you guys set up, so maybe your boundaries are, hey, we're we're not gonna be at um, my house uh, at night because I live alone, right? Right. Um, and we're not going to make out like we're not going to have make out sessions mm-hmm. and we're not going to have oral sex. And we're not going to if you keep crashing through those boundaries, what you're showing your future bride is that you don't have self-control yep. and that those boundaries don't really matter to yep. you. And so what you're telling them is you can't trust me. Mm-hmm. Right. And so part of it is building a trust because those same boundaries are going to be in place when you're married. They're just going to look different like right. a boundary in my life. Right. Is. I'm not going to make out with another woman, right? I'm not going to have a romantic relationship with another woman. Mm -hmm. But that trust is being built up as you're dating to go like, no, no, he's legit. We Maybe we've messed up. Maybe we pushed some boundaries too far. But I see from him a willingness to go back and go, Mm -hmm. we're not doing that anymore. So we can't have the end of the date night at my house Mm -hmm. anymore. I love you enough Mm -hmm. and I respect you enough to hold true to these boundaries. And so if you have a guy that you're dating that can't do that, doesn't wanna do that, keeps pushing through all those boundaries, that is an indicator that he hasn't learned self-control and he's not really fighting for you uh, and your heart, soul, mind like you mentioned. Yeah, I had a guy that I was dating when I started following Jesus and we had been having sex and I came back and said, hey, I, I don't want to do this anymore because now I'm following Jesus and right. I know that this isn't what he wants for me. And he was not happy about that. That's a red flag because he only was concerned with himself. Zero concern for me. That's a red right. flag right. that we should be aware of. Right. Um, at the college event that we were speaking at, we did a Q&A at mm-hmm. the end, right? And I thought a really good question um, that somebody asked from the crowd was, hey, I, um, you know, I'm 22, three years old or whatever. I'm a virgin. Um, and is that like, what he was basically asking is, is that realistic? Like, Mm -hmm. can I actually do that in like today's world and the culture we live in? Is that just archaic and stupid? Mm -hmm. Like, 
can I do that? And so everybody has I thought that was a very mature question, by the way. It was super mature, right? Um, And, you know, we have two different stories. You Mm -hmm. weren't a virgin, I was a virgin. Mm -hmm. And so I shared a little bit of that story. Um, Not only is it possible, it is what, like, God's plan, right? His perfect plan for how people should interact and date and move towards marriage is that sex is reserved for Mm -hmm. marriage. Mm -hmm. And so it's not only possible, but as you're walking with God, like he gives you the the help, the ability, mm-hmm. the discernment, the conviction, healthy boundaries, community in place, yeah. you know, accountability in your life um, to let that happen. So my encouragement to him was, yes, absolutely. But also don't bank it all on the fact of like, well, I'm good, I'm pure because I've never had like physical sex. Mm-hmm. It includes all things like mm-hmm. What are you doing with your mind? Like, what what is your browsing habits look like? All of those things are factored into it. Yeah. And so it's really more about like, not how do I keep from having physical sex one day, but as a single person, how do I make sure that I'm chasing after Jesus, that holiness in thoughts and action and all those little hidden private things, yeah. right, mm-hmm. are true and are legit. Because if they are, that's like ammunition for fighting the really good fight in dating relationships. Yeah, yeah. And I love that, you know, we can bring our two different stories to the table. And one thing we talked about when we said there's no such thing as casual sex is like, how do you actually set up boundaries for that and accountability? And when you and I were dating, we did not have sex before we got married. And we had accountability and we had boundaries that we set up. You lived alone. And I literally never went to the place that you lived um, because we just said, this is not a good thing for us to be doing. I lived in a little house in the woods. Remember that? Like yeah. far tucked away. I went to That's a college the party there Perfect once. place yeah. for a dating couple just to be dirty, yeah, right? Yeah. But that was a boundary. Totally a boundary. And the closest we ever got to messing up was literally, I don't think I've ever said this out loud, but was literally seven days before we got married. Yep. It's because we had our apartment and we were over there like getting stuff yep. ready and you had already moved in and I right. came over there seven days before we we're about to get married and it's the closest we ever came to. Totally. Totally. I mean, you know, messing up. Yep. I always want to say this too, is I'm always going to come at it from this advantage as well, is like I want to speak to the person too that's walking in going, well, I, I'm i not a virgin. And it, it could be within their dating relationship, but just someone who's like, I'm, I want to date, but I'm not a virgin. How do I deal with that? And I always talk about like, that is where the good, this is why Jesus came. This is the goodness of God. This yep. is the gospel, is that he came to save sinners and to reconcile them with God. And you can look before your people, your God, and say, like, I have sinned. God, you have forgiven me, and now I am a new creation. And so you can walk out in that. You don't have to have your head hung down low. Totally. And I talk about this a lot in my very first book that I wrote, If You Only Knew, is where I really talked about that whole story of me kind of owning myself as a follower of Jesus, letting go of shame and walking in freedom. And so it it is possible. All right, I'm going to go to number four. Number four was this, is your relationship should look different than the world's dating relationship. And we've talked about this a lot, even with the last example of there's no such thing as casual sex. And I think our friend that asked that question was really saying, like, is it possible to date as a follower of Jesus and not fall into the trap that the world is telling us? Because everything we've said so far, who and how you date, uh, don't act like you're married, there's no such thing as casual sex, all of those things fall into really easy dateable situations within our culture. And so if we're going to look different than that, We've said a lot of things, but we're saying it should look different. Yeah. Well, and I think that's where it gets really difficult Mm -hmm. because, um, you know, everything in our current like dating culture, it revolves around 
sex and intimacy, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that is the culture of dating. Like it, a lot of unbelievers would be like, wait, you're going to get married without ever trying mm-hmm. to have sex together to mm-hmm. see if you're compatible or whatever, mm-hmm. you know? That is such a normal part of dating um, outside of like a Christian like belief well, system. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And so that's what makes it so hard is because it seems archaic. It seems impossible. It seems dumb, mm-hmm. you know, um, but everything in the life of a believer should look different mm-hmm. than how the the world kind of operates, you know? So as believers, none of us have a problem with thinking like, man, as a believer, how we spend money should look different than the world right. or how we um, treat our kids if you're a parent should look different than somebody who doesn't know Jesus, right? How we love the poor and serve people should look different than somebody who doesn't know Jesus, right? We all come to the table and we say, yeah, of course, Mm -hmm. right? But in dating, we seem to go like, well, I mean, but that's just kind of today. It's 2023. That's what you do, Mm -hmm. right? But our dating should look very different. It should look different in what we do with our time. It should look different in like what we're willing to engage in physically. Mm -hmm. It should look different in like how we include community and not isolate ourselves. Like it should look radically different. And I think the the part that we always want to encourage dating relationships that are believers is you actually have a really amazing opportunity to be something for the world, for your community as a dating couple. Mm-hmm. Like you get to use dating as a way to do things for God together and to serve other people together, but then also to keep running your race yeah. and live your life and chase after God. Like you have a really rare opportunity for even your dating relationship to be a blessing to yeah. others. Like we've had several um, you know, couples who have been in the dating season where they were always quick to offer to babysit our kids when they were Mm -hmm. little and they got to do that together, Mm -hmm. but then go home and be separate believers that are chasing after Jesus. And I think that's an awesome opportunity that you have as a dating relationship. And that's different than what the world would say. I agree. And I think, you know, that it would be, it's very easy to date like the world. That's, that's not hard at all. That's an easy road. And so the people are listening, I think would be ones that would say like, no, I want to be set apart. I want to be different. And the truth is that God says that we are set apart and we are different. So if you are choosing to chase after Jesus, like you said, this will also look different than the rest of your life. Right. Um, And it's like, ask God to help you. Like God is not just far away and he doesn't care about this part of your life. God desires to, to be a part of all of your life if you will let him. And so ask him to help you, to guide you, to give you contentment. Right. You know, like me, Paul talks about like, you know, I can do all things through Christ. Well, what he's saying is like, I'm content in all seasons only because of Jesus. You're not content in a dating relationship because you're awesome. You can be content dating, not dating, married, not married, children, not children, because of Jesus. Jesus is the one that gives you that contentment. That's a good word. Contentment is the driver Mm -hmm. for like having a healthy dating relationship of like, I'm going to wait on God for the timing of if and when this should move to marriage. I'm going to, I'm going to wait on God to, you know, form my path, her path. Right. And then I'm also going to be content with like my identity being separate Mm. from the person that I'm dating. Right. Cause it's not like a, we talk about marriage being what the Bible says is a union to become one. Mm -hmm. Right. So in dating, it's a contentment with us still being two. Yeah. And not one yet. So those are our four things. Who and how you date matters to God. Don't act like you're married until you are. There is no such thing as casual sex. Your relationship should look different from the world's dating relationships. And 
we could come up with four more next time, but those are the ones <laughs> we came up with. But I want to ask you this real quick. I want to flip the script just a minute. As a pastor, as someone who's leading at a church, um, I already alluded earlier that I said I was so proud of you for that one time that I was like, he could have gone marriage examples so easy in that sermon, and yeah. he didn't. And um, as you and I are both trying to really not idolize marriage in unbeknownst to us in a way either. Like we don't want totally. to make that an idol in anyone else's life. Can you speak to leaders and pastors and teachers and people who are writing, people mm. who are creating? Yeah. How do we lead institutions and how do we lead people well where we're not inadvertently idolizing marriage in a way yeah. that makes single people mm-hmm. um, feel left out? I think it has a lot to do with how we articulate things, um, how we communicate the gospel like to people, um, whether it's in a church context or in group settings or whatever, right? As a leader going, okay, if I am not idolizing marriage, I don't want to put that off in the examples that I use, the stories that I tell, um, the stories that I celebrate, right? So we're constantly kind of asking the question of like, what are we, what are we communicating about purpose and life and chasing after God? And is that somehow covered sometimes in Mm -hmm. like, well, here's a married couple who's living out the gospel, mm-hmm. or here's a married couple that's doing this, or here's the ideal situation. You're you you're married for, you know, forty years and you have grandkids and all that kind of stuff. That is one story. That's mm-hmm. one version of what God can do with a person's life. But also celebrating, man, here's this twenty five year old that is killing it for Jesus. Mm-hmm. Like they are running after him. They I met a guy, um, at our house last night who he's 25 years old um he got radically convicted about mission stuff so he changed his major and now he's getting a master's in public health because his whole aim is i want to leave america and i want to go do public health in unreached people groups uh so that they can experience like the gospel through good medicine Mm, right that's awesome and i'm like and he's not dating anybody it never even came up in conversation about like after i find a wife or Mm -hmm. if i find a wife Mm -hmm. he's just said man I'm following after God and that's what he has for me. Mm-hmm. And so if other things get added into the equation, like somebody to date or married, I don't even care right yeah. now. What I am what I care about is saying yes to God. Mm-hmm. So as a pastor, it's elevating those stories mm-hmm. too. It's saying, man, here's a couple who doesn't have kids and they're in their 50s and look how God is using mm-hmm. them. Um, and, and it's really easy just to grab onto the 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 traditional like stories that we celebrate yeah Uh, so i think that's one thing that's super important i think second is as a leader if you are only around the people like you those are the people that you're going to be using as examples and and thinking about right so we've made it uh we've been very intentional on we have some married friends great married friends but we also have some single friends we have college students in our house all the time we have 30-year-olds who are single that are a part of our life. Um, and I think that helps us lead a church better mm-hmm. when you have more people, like with diversity of not just, you know, uh, ethnicity, but also diversity in status of living and socioeconomic background and season of life, singleness, married, mm-hmm. college, all those kind of things I think help a lot. That's good. Well, I'm proud of you and how you're leading out in that. So thanks hey, for that. Thanks. Um, okay. Anything you want to add before we move on? Um, don't idolize marriage. Don't idolize don't marriage. Don't idolize marriage. Don't idolize dating either. Yep. And, uh, okay, I'll add one more Here's thing. Here's what we should idolize. Mo- what? Jesus? Jesus? Yeah, we should do that. <laughs> uh, most, most churches have 
like some sort of ministry for um, you know marriage, pre-marriage kind of stuff. So I would say if you're dating and you're a part of a church, seek that out. Mm-hmm. Like find an older couple that can do marriage, pre-marriage mentoring with mm-hmm. you. Do premarital counseling. Like if even if you're in the dating stage, don't do premarital then, but if you're in the dating stage, find another couple that you can be honest with, with the ways that you failed or the things that are really hard in dating. Like don't yeah. do it alone. Yeah. Again, if you do it alone, you're totally going to fail. Yeah. But look for that. Look for that. Um, okay, Aaron, thanks for coming on and talking about dating. Thanks for having me. Tonight's our date night. It is our date night. Where are we going? Uh, I think what you told me is we have to go like shopping or something. Oh, I need. I want to go find a, a new um, pair Andrews. of pants. Yeah. Yeah. But we do a date night every Monday. Try to. Every Monday. We try to. Yep. I think in January we didn't have one date night though. Just so everyone does. January was a tough. It was a tough month. January was a tough month. Yep. Yep. But tonight. We have date night. Tonight we have date night. Um, okay, Aaron, I would love to know before you go, we want to know what you're reading. Jamie wants to know. Jamie wants to know. We want to know what you're reading. I'm reading a book called Leaving Ruin. And this is a very different kind of book for me. It's a novel. Um, and I had heard that Eugene Peterson um mentioned this novel he said it's one of the best novels that he's ever read and he read it like 10 times i'm a huge fan of eugene peterson's work and um just really respect what he did with his life uh a lot as a pastor and so he mentioned it i'm like well i want to read that so it's a novel about uh a burnt out pastor that lived in a small town uh in west texas and just got really really burnt out and wanted to quit and bail and it's about him rediscovering a love for Jesus and for ministry. So came out in 2002, I saw. Yeah, it's a, it's not a new book. It's not a new book. But the writing is also awesome. Um, Ann Dillard, Pulitzer Prize winner. So I'm loving it. And it's really, di- it's kind of a different. Annie, just, so you're, just so everyone knows, she didn't write it. Oh, no, no, no. Annie Dillard said it's awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. written by Jeff Berryman. Yes. <laughs> Berryman. Yes. Um, but I'm really enjoying it. It's okay, awesome. It's a different go. it's a different lane for me too. You know, it's not like a a trade book mm-hmm. where I'm learning, taking information. Yeah. This is a novel, but I'm resonating a lot with it. I love not it. because I'm burnt out and live in West Texas, but because I I've had so many friends in but ministry we do love West Texas. experience burnout. Mm-hmm. And so this guy's wrestling with that in a really honest way. I love it. I love it. Well, Aaron, it's always a joy to have you on the show. I am so thankful that you invited me. <laughs> I feel like at this table there's been so many hype, awesome people. So we've had a lot of great conversations in the last Amazing. year on the happy hour. And so yep. um super grateful. You're killing it. That people are still listening to the show. So You're killing it. Love you. Love you too. (laughs) Is that it? Or am I supposed to ask you a question? What are you reading? Oh, do you want to know what I'm reading? Um, Yeah. No one ever asked me. Because not because they're rude, rude, because it's my show. Yeah, they're so rude. I don't know. No, what are you reading right now? Um, So I am reading a lot of things right now. Let me pull up my Goodreads account to tell you what I'm reading. Okay. I'm actually interviewing um, Jared Rayner right after you today, and I'm reading one of his books. Okay. But here, that's not what I want. I am trying to- While you're pulling it up. Can I tell you the book that I just finished? Yeah. That is hands down the best book that I've read in the last 10 years. Oh, gosh. I, how real. do I not know about this? You do know about it. I did the audiobook. Oh, yeah. Surrender yeah, yeah. by Bono, Bono was absolutely incredible. And I would highly suggest uh, doing the audiobook because he reads it 
and it's uh, he talks about 40 songs and stories to go with each one. At the beginning of the chapter, they play like the actual songwriting demo of it, and then he tells a story. Amazing writer. Um, he talks so much about his faith, about how much he loves God, and then the tension between like loving God but not always loving Christians, and just their whole story of getting a lot of backlash as a band and all that kind of stuff. It's phenomenal. When you finished it, you told me something else that he loved so much. That Bono loved? Uh-huh. I did? Yeah. What? You said he loved his wife so much. He, he loves, loves. She's still here. He loves his wife. Yeah, that's what you said And his to kids. Me. Yeah. And Eugene Peterson, in that order. Did you say you were listening to an album by Bono's son? Yeah. He has a, he has a band. His son is like probably in his 20s. Um, has a band called Inhaler. And so I, I found that out and I started listening to his music. Uh-huh. And he sounds just like Bono singing. This is like Stephen Curtis Chapman. Totally. And Colony his boys house. have Colony House. Yeah. Do you want one of your boys to have a band? I think that'd be pretty cool. You know, Caden's playing the old electric guitar right now. Yeah. Yeah. Him and Story might be your only bet, your only option. Oh, yeah. For sure. Okay, here's what I'm reading. I'm reading By Bread Alone, A Baker's Reflection on Hunger, Longing, and Something Else by Kendall Vanderslice. She's coming up on the Happy Hours. Where? Cool. Well, I'm listening to Bono. Yep. Because you told me to. I'm almost done with Redeeming Your Time uh, by Jordan Rayner. I'm really liking it. It's a, uh, helping you be a better worker with your time. Um, and I'm interviewing him as well. I'm reading my first Eugene Peterson book, A Long Obedience in the Same Direction. Oh my gosh. I started so all these good. last year and I'm going to finish them. So good. And then I'm also reading another Eugene Peterson, like Do Your Youth. Dumbest name ever. I can say that because... Do, D-E-W. Your Youth. Your Youth. It's from a psalm, but it's I to, I sent you some parts of it. It's about raising I mean, teenagers. I want to read that next. Yeah, yeah. It's really, really the good. The highlighted section you've sent me, Yeah, I've been like, dang. Yeah, I know. It's been really helpful for us in our raising teenagers stage that's for another (laughs) podcast episode that will not be aired uh aaron ivy thank you yep definitely thanks for having me the happy hour with jamie ivy is a production of ivy media podcast executive produced by jamie ivy produced by Lindsay sweeney edited by angie elkins show notes by nikki ogden art by jen jet barrett original music by matt graham and i'm your host jamie have a happy hour with a friend Escape to Ocean City, Maryland, and discover a place that just feels lighter, where every day feels like Saturday and French fries are a food group, where flip-flops are always in fashion and seafood is always in season, where the boardwalk is bustling and the beach is right outside your door, where you can rise with the tide and feel like a kid again. Ocean City, Maryland, somewhere to smile about. Book your trip at Oceocean.com.